morning, Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart. I have a simple way for you to remember my message today. My son Christopher and I do a weekly study. We're studying a book that has become a classic. I read this book when I was just beginning the ministry, and right now we have our elders going through this book in their training manual. It's called The Measure of a Man by Gene Getz, 20 Attributes of a Godly Man. And this is the highlight of my week, when I get to take a chance to spend an hour or so with my son, Christopher, and we're going through this chapter by chapter. And uh, so he was talking, we were talking, and as I went and said, hey, Chris, I met somebody that you know. It's your fellow worker at Sport Tech, Tyler. And Tyler's here, right here. And uh, Tyler was at church. He was hanging out with Pastor Colin on Thursday, I believe it was. And I said, hey, Christopher, Tyler was here you know, high five, it had, had a great time, and then uh, Christopher and I smiled, because Christopher said, oh yeah, Tyler, dad, he, he listened, he really listens to your message, and you know, during the week, we'll talk about the message, especially the one, oh no, I won't go to oh no, you remember that in Nehemiah, I got one person who shook their head yes, but Tyler does. He said to Christopher, and they back and forth, oh no, we won't go to oh no, oh no, stood for stay away from the rumor treadmill. So I got, I got one guy for sure that I know, maybe two, that are listening, looking for simple clues. So I'm going to give you another one today, all right? I'm going to make it simple, rememberable, so that you can take that home with you and see the Lord do a great work in your heart. That was Nehemiah. We concluded the book of Nehemiah. Today we start a new series in 1 John. I'm going to give you something similar that will help you remember this word. I'm going to build my message around these three phrases, all right? And I'll tell you where I got these three phrases coming up. It's a commercial. It's watching baseball or something like that. And I seen this, I don't know what they were advertising, can't remember it anymore. But I like the phrases. And I thought, someday I think I'm going to use those phrases. And I, I'm going to do it today because it fits. You're going to go home, you're going to remember my message because of these three phrases. The first phrase is a question to you. Get it. Get it. Do you get it? Not yet. You don't, there's nothing to get yet. But I want you to think about this. The second response is got it. Get it. Got it. Good. All right? It's easy. I have to define what it is. When I'm going to ask you that question, get it, you're going to, at some point in this message, you're going to say, I got it. And then we're both going to say, Good. We're going to live this thing out. Doesn't make sense until we define what it is. At the end of my message, I'm going to ask if you get it. I want you to leave saying, I got it. How did I choose 1 John? Deanna and I 
or Deanna asked me a question on our way to a family reunion back in July. I've been memorizing a passage in 1 John. And she asked, Paul, we're, you're done with, with Nehemiah. What are you going to do next? And I said, I really like 1 John. There's a scripture that has become really dear to my heart. And once we get to that chapter and that verse, I'll, I'll fill you in on what the Lord was doing in my heart. But I said, I think I, I'm going to go with 1 John. And I've been praying about it. And folks, I want you to know that's very, very important to me that I hear from the Lord as best I can on where to go next. I believe Nehemiah was the book that the Lord led us to. And that's done. What's next? I'm praying. I'm seeking the Lord. I think it's 1 John. I'm looking for a confirmation. That's how it works for me. That's how I hear the Lord speak to me. I interact my spirit with the Holy Spirit, getting into his word, looking for then confirmations. Lord, do you have a confirmation for me? Is this what you want Gateway Church to study next? Well, we went to this family reunion, and this is the craziest thing. I walked into the room, the room that we were in, and guess what room it was? They named the rooms after the books of the Bible. Here's our room, 1 John. It's like, okay, Lord, the Lord speaks to me in simple ways like this. It's like, I'm just taking it. I'm taking a picture of it. Look at it. It's got the, the sheetrock peeled back. That's on the side of the door. That's 1 John. I can't wait to, to hear what the Lord has to say to us. It's that clear. This is where he wants us to go next. I have a title for my message. It's not on the screen, but we'll get her up there next week. It's this. For the whole series, it's on the grow and in the know. On the grow and in the know, subtitle, going deep in Christ. That's what 1 John is all about. It's about go growing in the Lord and knowing the truth. If there's one thing that no one wants to be, it's this, shallow. No one wants to sit around in a circle and introduce themselves like this. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm a shallow person. <laughs> I live a superficial life. I'm an inch deep and a mile long. Would you like to be my friend? You're saying, I got way too many friends like that already. No. Shallow is out in 1 John. Shallow is out and deep is in. Friends want to have deep conversations. We want to go deeper than just talking about football. And I love football. Even coaches want a deeper bench. And fans want to go deep into the playoffs. Playoffs? I'm already talking about playoffs. That's what my friend did, Mr. Hansen. He, he knows tomorrow night's the first game. 
for, for the Vikings, all right? He's got the Packers already here at the noon. I'm, I'm shallow because I'm talking about football. I'm going to try this again. I want to have deep roots. I promise that I won't talk about football anymore in this sermon. Not next week, but in this week. Try this again. Deep implies substance. If something is deep, it's profound. It's sufficient. It's real. It's enduring. In all seriousness, we want to be deep people. We really do want to live deep lives. That's what 1 John is all about. It will help us be on the grow, going deep in Christ and in the know, being able to discern good from evil, confronting deception and error in our lives, knowing what is truth, because the truth will set us free. So let's jump in. You're saying, I don't know where 1 John is. Don't cheat now. It's easy now. When I, when I was looking up, you know, books of the Bible in the day, you actually had to have a Bible with you, and you had to kind of find it. Today, you don't have to work hard at all. You just kind of bring it up on your device. But for those who are using the hard copy, you go all the way to the end of the Bible, right? Revelation. And then you go back about three books, and you will run into First John. It's written by the beloved one, the Apostle John. That's what he calls himself. He said, I am the one Jesus loved. I like that about John. He just came right out and said it in his writings. Can you imagine writing that down? Not here in 1 John, but in the other book that he wrote, the Gospel of John. He said, I'm the one that Jesus loves, the beloved one. And so he wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote the epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And then, you know this, but I'm going to remind you of it again. He wrote the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Talk about a guy who really knew Jesus. John did. And this is what he said to start us off. I love it. That which was from the beginning, verse 1, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. We, we heard with our ears. We have seen with our eyes. We have looked at and our hands have touched. John was the guy that laid on Jesus' side. John was there when the resurrected one said, come, Thomas, put your hand put your hand right here, right where the nails went. This is the one, Jesus, who said, when he rose again and showed himself to the apostles, he made fish. He ate the fish. Why? Because he was hungry I don't think so. 
He ate the fish in his resurrected body because he wanted the disciples to know this isn't a spirit, this isn't a ghost. I am real. Flesh and blood. This which, and John is saying, I put my life on it. I've seen him with our eyes. We have looked at, our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it. We've testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Get it? Got it. Good. Good. There are three things that we must get. And these three things are the it that I'm talking about. And if you get it, and some of you have said, I already got it. We can go home now. Just, well, stay with me then. If you really, really, really get this, it will dramatically impact your life. Listen now. Because I know I'm speaking to a few of you today. You got to catch this. Especially if you're in a season of life where you have more questions then answers. Have you ever been in one of those seasons in your life? If you have more questions in your life right now than answers, then you need to get this. If you're there, I'm with you. There are some times in my life where I have more answers than questions. I love that. It's like everything's just kind of flowing. Everything's just going. My understanding is, okay, God, you are on the go here. Then there are times in my life when I have more, I have more questions than answers. What do you do? It's easy to get buried by unanswered questions like why? How come? What should I do? I don't understand what is going on. God, how are you going to make it? Or I should say, how are we going to make it? How am I going to make it? In the situation that I'm in. Sometimes here's what we need to do. You need to stop. Stop asking those questions. I want you to do that. All those questions that you're asking God, that you're trying to find answers for, I want you to stop. You're exerting a lot of energy asking questions that God probably won't answer right now in your life. 
at least the way you want God to answer them. Have you been there before? Don't ask why. Don't ask how come. I want you to do something. I want you to go simple. When life gets complex, get back to the basics. That's what we're going to do today. You don't need all your questions answered. You may think, I do. You don't. Go simple. Make simple the backdrop of your life. Don't believe the lie that you need somehow to change the scenery in your life. If only. If only what? Don't exert energy. Don't ask God to change the scenery in your life. Ask God to help you take a look behind you and change the backdrop. I want to give you a backdrop that I want you to look at this week when you're trying, when the devil's trying to get you to answer all those questions. I want you to stop and ask yourself, do I have the right backdrop behind me? That's what we need to do. Get it? Got it, good. Then you can get on with life. First, here's the backdrop. I'm going simple. If you've come to hear a complex message, it ain't going to happen. Because John went simple. Jesus Christ, real, profound. I'm not saying simplistic. This is profound stuff that you need to get. You go, I know that already. Do you? Jesus really lived on earth. He was here. We got credible witnesses who are saying, I saw him. I heard him. I touched him. I was with him. I saw him calm the sea. I saw him heal the blind. I was there. I staked my life on it. All my chips are in. He really lived. Get it? Good. Apostle John was writing at a critical time in the life of the early church. This letter was written late in the first century. It had been about 50 years since Jesus of Nazareth walked on the earth. All right, you got to kind of in your mind kind of picture that. John's old. He was on the island of Patmos, exiled. He's an old guy now. He, he wrote Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Before that, he writes these epistles. The first generation of believers, those who actually encountered Jesus, have died off. John was one of the last living apostles. So he's writing to what might be called second and even 
third generation Christians. They weren't there when Jesus lived, taught, and died. They're going on hearsay, oral tradition, some writings. John is writing to encourage them, saying he really did live. Guys, listen, it's true. Enough time had passed where people were beginning to mess with the message. Some were questioning, you'll see it in the study as we get into it. Some were questioning the humanity of Jesus. Others were questioning the divinity of Jesus. There was a certain strain of heresy that was teaching that Jesus only looked as if he appeared. He appeared to be human. He appeared to have a body. He appeared to die, but that's false. So John's writing to set the record straight. He really did live. We were there. And 2,000 years later, we're removed, right? 50 generations removed now. So a lot of questions and doubts begin to creep in. So John would say to us, and he's saying it to you, because we have the written record. When I read the Bible, guess how I read the Bible? I read the Bible like it's written for me, and it is. It's the living word. I, I open it up and I say, Holy Spirit, Illuminate this word as I interact with your voice, with your truth. And so, John, when John's writing to a certain audience, I'm putting myself right there in that audience. He's writing to me, and he's saying, Paul, he really did live. That helps me. When I have more questions than I have answers, that gives me life. People really experienced him. Like John in the 11, in the early church, all the way to people you know who know Jesus. I don't know about you, but I trust John. I've never met John, but... He's like a friend to me. I've met him. It's a book that, at church, there's a few books that we, we say, you gotta read this book. This is a book that, at Gateway Church, we want you to read. There's a million books, right? I'm not gonna, very rarely do I tell you, read this book. I'm telling you today, if you haven't read this book, read this book, Surprised by Faith. If you have questions about the credibility of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel accounts where it is recorded, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, who was an actual historical figure, there's more evidence to prove the reality of Jesus Christ on the earth than George Washington. 
the Gospels as just pieces of literature stand far above any other piece of literature on the earth. People may say, I don't believe what they said about Jesus is true. Go ahead and debate that and question that. But what you can't argue is say, well, those guys didn't really write it. No, no, no. There is all kinds of evidence. First century manuscripts after manuscript after manuscript that say there was a person who was called Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're talking about John. He is a credible witness who said what? I was there. And I believe John. I believe him. And that changes everything. Get it? Good. It does. I just say, wow, John, really? You've got to be kidding me. You met the Son of God. It is true. Oh, get back to the basics. It helps. And lastly, God really wants you to experience the fellowship. Did you catch that in the word? We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, verse 3. Why? John's saying to these guys who haven't met Jesus, hadn't seen him, were, were wondering, Are you, is this really true? He said, so that you may also, you may, you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And if you really get that, we write this to make our joy complete. You can be wrong about a lot of things in life. But don't be wrong about Jesus. That was a phrase that was circling around in my head as I was preparing the message for Dallas Carlson's funeral. From the Gospel of John. You know, Dallas, great guy, loved Gateway Church, loved the people here. Really miss seeing him, drinking coffee with him out in the fellowship time. And the family knew that there would be many unsaved people coming to the funeral. And this message the Lord put on my heart. It was this, you can be wrong about a lot of things in life. (laughs) But don't be wrong about Jesus. Who he is. Why he came. And how you can personally enter into the fellowship. Wow, really? Really? Into that fellowship, the triune community 
of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's saying, come on in. I want you to be a part of the fellowship. The relationship has been restored. Get it? Good. Now live your life with that backdrop. You're going to have lots of questions this week. Before you start answering those questions, I just want you to think of these things. Just line your life up with them. Live your life in front of the backdrop. When you have questions, just turn around. Jesus Christ really lived. People really experienced him. God wants me to experience the fellowship. I just say yes to that. And then here's what you do. Then you just keep going. Then you live your life. So thank you, Lord, for your word. It sets us free. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you to stand with me, if you will. Just receive a benediction. Now I want to read a benediction for you from 1 John. Don't have my glasses, so I'm going to have to back this up and just go with my heart. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us. We have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. May you go in his blessing. Amen. Amen. As you're dismissed, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. If you would like to receive prayer, please come forward. God bless you.